Hey guys, thank you so much for joining us for the NCC podcast. God is doing so many great things in our community, and I trust that he's doing great things in your life as well. And I trust that God is going to speak to you through this message. Well, as we are coming to the end of 2023, uh, we have said this year at North Point Community Church that 2023 is our year of That's exactly right. It is our year of legacy. And we have been carrying this motto throughout the year of live the legacy that you want to leave. You have to live the legacy that you want to leave. You don't get to get show up at the end of your life and then tell people about the legacy that you wanted to leave. No, every single day you are living the legacy that will eventually be left behind. And remember, your legacy is simply the story that people tell about the person that you were and the difference that you made in their lives and in the world. And every day we are living into that legacy. So what does that tell us? That tells us that every day matters. <laughs> it tells us that every decision matters. Because everything we do, we are building our life and we are building our legacy. And we have been spending a lot of time in Hebrews chapter 11 this year. And Hebrews 11 verse 2, it says that those heroes that, that are mentioned in Hebrews 11, those Old Testament heroes that are mentioned, it says that they earned a good reputation. Well, how did they earn that reputation? They earned that reputation because they lived that life. And that's, the, the, that's what we take away from that. We understand that we are, we are living into this legacy. And so I encourage you to finish this year strong. If you were here a few weeks ago, we talked a little bit about the 40-day finish. The 40-day finish, just bringing intentionality and focus into the last 40 days of the year, a time period that many people can just kind of let go of and just, ah, we'll see what happens. No, we want to be intentionally and we want to live focused in this last 40 days of the year. Well, we'll you know, it's the 40-day finish, but now we're already 12 days into that, so there's only 28 days left. And so what I would say is, okay, maybe you're, you didn't, you know, get in, you, you missed the first 12 days, uh, but you still got 28 to be great, okay? See, I can find something that rhymes. It's always, there's always a way, okay? So you got 28 to be great. So why don't you focus on these last four weeks and, and, and put 28 great days together, movement towards the life that you want to live and the legacy that you want to leave. And so I encourage you in that as we uh, conclude this year of legacy. But we are moving in now into a December series and uh, we're calling it Christmas at the End. And Christmas for us as Jesus followers, this is the time every year that we remember and celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And today in society, I mean, Christmas can be so beautiful. We were just talking about it a moment ago when you walked in and the foyer is so beautifully decorated and the stage is so, everything is so beautiful. The, there, there's so many, you know, it's lights and decorated trees and wrapped presents and hot cocoa by the fire and all these things that can be so incredibly beautiful. But it's very important for us to remember that's not how it all started. <laughs> it's not how it all began. Instead, it began with a lady by the name of Mary, who was a virgin and conceived a child. 
by the act of God, and, and she is engaged to be married to this man named Joseph, and, and she is very, very pregnant at this time that they have to journey back to Bethlehem because that is where Joseph's, Joseph's family is from, and it's time to be counted in the census, and so they go on this journey away from where they were into Bethlehem, and by the time they arrive there, now Mary is is, is going into labor. She's about to give birth uh, to this son. And, and man, she, she's away from her family. She's away from her friends. She's away from her support system. And poor Joseph, he forgot to download the Hilton app. <laughs> he didn't book a room there in Bethlehem. And so they show up with no place to go and he's knocking on all of the places that could provide shelter for him and he he gets to the very last inn and he's knocking on the door and there is no room for them in the inn and many scholars believe that there was no room at the inn but the innkeeper did the very best he could for them and that was to provide a place for them in the stable or the manger that was right behind the, the living quarters there where, where those people's prized animals and possessions at that time would have had a safe and secure place for the night. And, and it was there. It was there in that manger that the Messiah would be born. It was there that the promised king would come into the earth. It was there that the savior of the world would appear. The, the savior that didn't just show up out of nowhere, but had been prophesied some 300 plus times in the Old Testament. And one prophet by the name of, of Isaiah, some 700 years before Jesus was born, would say these things in Isaiah chapter 7. Verse 14, it says, the Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Isaiah would go on just a few chapters later and he would say this, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The the passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. And here for hundreds of years, God's people had waited on the arrival of this Messiah, this Christ, this chosen one, this anointed one. And now the wait was over in this manger in Bethlehem. Christmas started at an end. And today, we celebrate Christmas at the end. The end right here at North Point Community Church. And here at North Point, we have taken the identity as the end. And we, we have taken that identity out of a parable that Jesus told. And the parable is known as the parable of the Good Samaritan, if you're familiar with the story Jesus tells the story about this good Samaritan 
who picks up this Jewish man who had been beaten and left for dead on the side of the road and he, he, he bandages his wounds bandages his wounds and carries him to the inn and he leaves him there with the innkeeper. And here at North Point Community Church, we have taken that as our identity, that we are the inn at the crossroads of life. We are the place that Jesus can bring the broken. We are the place that Jesus can bring the lost and confused. We are the place that Jesus can bring the hurting. We are that place. We are the end. And since we are the end, that makes me and you in keepers. We are the people who are manning the end. We are the ones who will take care of those who Jesus drops off at our front door. And while Christmas started at an inn in Bethlehem, today we celebrate Christmas at the inn in Bossier City. It is Christmas at the inn. It's where Christmas all began. But I do want to let you know that this series of messages, uh, this series of messages is going to be really different because this is the last series of messages that Destiny and I will ever preach as the lead pastors here at North Point Community Church. After 11 years of preaching on this platform, 572 Sundays to be exact, and over 80 sermon series, this is the last one. And I couldn't think of a better way to finish. I couldn't think of a better way to end than talking about the thing that I love the most. Talking about Jesus. Friends, he's more than the reason for the season. He's the reason for living. He's the reason for living. He is the way. He is the truth. And he is the life. He is the only one who can give life. He is it. And, and although we've had so many amazing series and messages and we've talked about so many things and we've given so many practical handles and hopefully some of those things along the way have really helped you along your journey and in your relationships and with all the different areas of your life, there is no better way to end. I'm talking about Jesus. Because I was a teenager when I had an encounter with Jesus that left me forever changed. There was a lot of decisions made after that. But there was this man that I encountered that loved me so deeply. There was this man that I encountered that spoke to me so kindly. There was this man that I encountered that told me all of my mistakes would be taken care of by his sacrifice. And that as I navigated through this life, that I would never be alone. So I've been thinking a lot 
about this series. Been thinking a lot about these messages. What 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 are some of the most important things that I could tell you? If I only had these messages, what would I say to you? What challenge could I give you that would be a challenge that would really carry you for the rest of your life? And I've boiled it down just to a few things that we'll be talking about over the next few weeks. It's really these few things. Uh, Number one is just to let Jesus love you. Number two is to let Jesus really lead you. And number three is to let Jesus use you to love and lead those around you. And so today I just want to focus in on this first point, this first aspect of let Jesus love you. And and I want to add to that, don't just let Jesus love you. Let Jesus love you the way he wants to. Let Jesus love you the way that he wants to love you, not the way that you think you should be loved, not the way you think you deserve to be loved, but let Jesus love you the way that he desires to love you. You know, the Bible says so many awesome things about God's love, but probably none of them are more well-known Then John 3, 16, where Jesus is speaking to a Pharisee by the name of Nicodemus. And in the conversation, he says this. He says, for God so loved the world. And here at North Point, we like to say that so love is big love. God had so much big love for the world. What did he do? He gave his one and only son. He gave the very best gift that he could so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus did not come to condemn you and show you how bad you are, he came to show you how good God is. He came to show you that you don't have to settle for where you are today because he can take you in a different direction. But here's the thing is that one of the biggest hurdles for us as humans, one of our biggest hurdles is to receive the level of love that God actually has for us. It's one of the biggest hurdles for us because the love that God actually has for us is this thing called unconditional love. (laughs) And it is really hard for us to imagine a love that is really unconditional. It's hard for us to fathom a limitless love in a world that is filled with limitation. (laughs) It is hard for us to grasp the way of an infinite God with our finite mind. And so the act of God sending his son to die in our place, to die in your place, to die in my place, so that we could experience this eternal life and this abundant life, it's just, it's like, it's almost too much for our mind to comprehend. 
this so love of God, this big love of God, this crazy love that God has. And if we are honest, it is really hard to believe and daily receive that level of love. We might can wrap our mind around it to believe. We might develop a theology around, around John 3, 16, that God really does love the world, that God really does love me. And we might can get our belief and our theology around that. But I, I want to know, is your reality wrapped around that? Not do you have a theology that says God loves me, but do you have a reality that receives that love at the level that God wants to give it every single day? Because that really goes against our human nature, doesn't it? This is why in some ways the Old Testament just makes more sense and is more relatable. Because I get an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense to me. You steal my donkey, I'm going to steal yours. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I get that. That makes sense. But turn the other cheek and love your enemies and pray for those people who persecute you and do wrong to you. The go the extra mile, give the person your shirt after they steal your coat. That just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to me. And so what we can find ourselves is gravitating towards what makes sense. And this is why in our, in our Christian journey, it is easier for us sometimes to pray that initial prayer and to receive God's forgiveness and to receive his love that very first time than it is for us on the 74th time that I did that thing that I promised myself I would never do again. Why? Because our humanity gets in the way of his divinity. <laughs> and my humanity can't make sense of a grace like that. My humanity can't make sense of a limitless love like that. My, my, my human mind cannot comprehend someone who would love me that much and my humanity gets in the way of his divinity and my instinct for justice conflicts with his design for grace. And this is when we have to just remind ourselves being a Jesus follower is not about a one-time confession of sin or a one-time prayer to receive forgiveness and love, but it's about a life of honest confession and a daily living in that love. That's what it is to be a Jesus follower. Jesus was talking to his disciples about life and about love in John chapter 15. And this is what Jesus tells his followers. He says, yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I on them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. He skips to verse 9 and he says this. He says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. Remain in my love. Stay connected to me. Stay connected to the vine. And if you stay connected to the vine, 
you will produce much fruit. You see, the recipe for a fruit-filled, abundant life is simply remaining. Remaining. The recipe for a, a fruit-filled, abundant life is remaining, not just praying and receiving one day, but remaining every single day. I'm talking about remaining in God's radical, extravagant love when you really, really screw it all up and completely feel like you don't deserve it. You see, the trick of the enemy is not that you, you don't deserve it in that moment. It's that you never did deserve it. <laughs> and he tricks us into feeling like we don't deserve it now, but you never deserved it in the first place. But God chose to give it anyway. So it was never about you and your performance. It was never about how good you were doing. It was never about what you were saying no to and what you were saying yes to. God chose to love you. God chose to offer this love to you. Paul writes in, in Romans chapter 5, and, and he says, For when the time was right, the anointed one came and died to demonstrate his love for sinners who were entirely helpless, weak, powers, and powerless to save themselves. Somebody say, that's me. Yeah, that, that is you. I'm glad, I'm glad you, I hope you said it, right? <laughs> I'm helpless, I'm weak, and I'm powerless to save myself. That's who I am. That's who we are. We can't save ourselves from eternal separation from God, and we can't even save ourselves from ourselves. <laughs> Now, would anyone dare to die for the sake of a wicked person? We can all understand if someone was willing to die for a truly noble person, but Christ proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place while we were still lost and ungodly. Meaning that Jesus doesn't love you because you've progressed. Jesus doesn't love you because you've come a long way. Jesus doesn't, do, doesn't love you simply because your track record proves you are trending in the right direction. No, Jesus proved God's love for you when you were ungodly, when you were disconnected, when you were far away, when you had no knowledge of him whatsoever and you were living just to please yourself, that's when Jesus died for you. This is why we say a lot here. We say Jesus didn't die for you on your best day. He died for you on your worst day. Because there's something about us, that Old Testament mindset that says, well, I mean, I did pretty good today. I mean, Jesus, would he made a good decision, died for me today. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I got some things together. But he died for us on our worst day. So that's why we say, look, Jesus, Jesus isn't just a better life manager. No, he is the Messiah. Right? He, he, he's not somebody that can just give you a new strategy for living. No, he, he brings salvation to you. Because Christianity, right, at its core, it's not based on, on good people getting better. The core of Christianity is based on dead people being resurrected. 
That's the core of Christianity. It's about this brand new life that is eternal and this brand new life that is abundant. And this life that God designed us for, this life that you were created for, this this eternity with him, and this fruit-filled, overflowing, abundant life that you can have on this earth, that life, it all begins and ends with God's amazing love. Think about it for a moment. Jesus said, remain in me. Just stay connected to me. You have got to stay connected to the vine. That's what Jesus was telling his followers. And yet, John, one of Jesus' disciples, would write in a letter in 1 John chapter 4, and he would say this about God. He would say that God is love. Because he discovered when you stay connected to the vine, you are also connected to love. Because that is who God is. To remain in Christ is to remain in God's amazing, incredible, reckless love. So what does the enemy want to do? The enemy wants to separate you from the vine. Because... The enemy knows that it is God's love that produces a truly fruitful life. And it is a fruitful life that impacts the world. It is a fruitful life that expands the kingdom. It is a fruitful life that shines light into darkness. It is a fruitful life that that is the salt of the earth. It is a fruitful life, and there is fruit only in connection to the vine and only in connected connected to God's love. And so the enemy is always trying to separate us from the vine, to separate us from God's love because the enemy knows what God's love will produce in us. And so what does the enemy use? The enemy will use shame. The enemy will use guilt. The enemy will use condemnation to get you running from God instead of remaining in God. It's what the enemy specializes in. How could you? How could you say that? You were in church yesterday morning. How could you? How could you look at that? You've been posting Bible verses on your Instagram feed. How could you do that? It's what the enemy comes to do to throw the weight of shame and guilt and condemnation to get you running from God. This is no secret, right? I mean, it's right there in the very beginning of your Bible. It's what happened to Adam. (laughs) It was Adam's response to sin in the garden. God goes looking for him. Why? Because Adam is hiding. He's hiding because he's naked and he's ashamed. Listen, same devil, same tricks. (laughs) Same devil, same tricks. Guilt and shame separating you from God, trying to get you to hide. Why? So that God can't love you the way that he wants to love you. To disconnect you. So the uh, apostle Paul, once again in Romans, he's 
writing to these believers in, in Rome, and this is what he says. I love this in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. He says this. He says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. How, how many of you know it's easier to put an amen on that when you're doing the right thing? You know what I'm saying? I mean, when you do it, when you had your morning devotionals and you got your things going right and your church attendance is up and, and you're serving and, 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 you, and, and you gave last month to feed the kids, like you're feeling real, you're like, amen, no condemnation, amen for those in Christ Jesus. But how many of you know, you, you, you start going in the other direction, you're like, hmm. But it's interesting when, it's interesting when, when Paul writes this because he wasn't writing this after he had just like this victory hallelujah party and all the things that he had overcome. Because he, he writes this verse right after the end of chapter 7. And do you know what's happening in chapter 7? At the end of chapter 7, Paul is saying this. He's saying, why do I always do the thing that I don't want to do? And why do I not do the thing that I want to do? I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. I, I don't want to do what's wrong, but I find myself doing it. That's the end of chapter 7, and he rolls right in to chapter 8, and he says, hey, I want to remind everybody who finds themselves in the exact same place that I have found myself so many times doing the wrong thing, not doing the right thing. I want to remind all of you there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation. There's no guilt. There's no shame. How? 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 Because his grace is always sufficient. His love is always unconditional. And his forgiveness is always yours. And Paul's like, I don't know if you're really getting this. Okay, like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if you're understanding, but I want to make sure you understand. And so when he gets to the end of chapter 8, it starts with there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And he closes out chapter 8 like this. He says, since he, speaking of God, since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. 
neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below indeed Nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul is pleading with the believers in Rome and therefore he is also pleading with us today, remain in God's love. Don't let what people are saying about you, don't allow yesterday's mistake, don't allow the Thanksgiving blunder, don't let any of those things keep you from remaining in God's love. That's what Paul is pleading with us for, but but today I I just want to echo that pleading from the Apostle Paul. And I just want to say to you, let Jesus love you the way he desires to love you and not the way you think you deserve to be loved. Let Jesus love you the way that he desires to love you. Not the way you think you deserve to be loved. You know, I've, I've done, I've made a lot of mistakes. I've done a lot of things wrong in the journey. I, I, you know, I, I, I found myself majoring on the minors at times and minoring on the majors and, and all of those things. But, 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 but I will say to you, there is one thing that I know I have done well. And that is to accept God's love on the terms that he's giving and not on the way that I was currently living. There's one thing I did well. I accepted God's love on the terms that he was giving. And it had nothing to do with how I was living. And it just kept me connected. Kept me connected when I was afraid. Kept me connected when I had doubts. Kept me connected when I was struggling with anger and bad attitudes. I just really believed that God wanted to love me the way that he said he wanted to. And I just always felt Who am I to say that you can't? So I just showed up every day. I said, I'll let you love me the way that you want to today. After all, I mean, you're the one that chose me, so. You're in charge. You're the king, not me. So I will give you what you desire and what you desire is to love me. Every part. 
part was messed up. The part that's doing it all wrong. I will let you love me the way that you want to. Not the way that I feel like I'm deserved. That I deserve to be loved. And you know, there's just a few, there's just a few consequences to not remaining in that unconditional overflow of God's love. And somebody could come out and play the keys because we're done. The consequences to, 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 to not remaining in, in his unconditional overflow is, is number one, is this. It's hard to truly love yourself. It's hard to truly love yourself when you don't let God love you. And let me just say it to you this way. You cannot hate what God loves. And God loves you every part of you. Every part of you. So you can't hate yourself. You can't hate what God loves. God loves every bit of you. And the consequence to not letting God love you is that you'll never be able to fully love who God made you. And the second consequence is this. It's hard to truly love others. Because this is what Jesus told his followers. He says, I want you to love others the way that I have loved you. So if you don't let God love you the way that God wants to love you, it's going to be hard for you to love people. Most of the time, most of the time in my ministry life, when it was hard for people to really love people, it was simply because they had set parameters for how much God could love them. for how much grace they really deserved. (laughs) But if you want to really love people well, (laughs) if you want to love people the way that God really wants you to love people, there's only one path for that, and that is to open up your heart and say, God, I want you to love me the way that you want to love me. Oh, yeah, I'll let you love me on my bad day. I'll let you love me after I cuss my husband and kick the cat. God, I'll let you love me right then. I'll let you love me. Because we can't love others if we don't let first God love us fully first. And that's why Jesus said, hey, don't don't remember the, the law, the principle that you would love your neighbor as you love yourself. So if you don't let God love you, not only can you not love others because you can only love them the way that he has loved you, but also you're not going to be able to fully love others if you don't love yourself. 
It's not about what you deserve. It's about what he desires. It's not about how you've lived the last 27 years of your life or the last 77 years of your life. It's about what he did 2,000 years ago. It's about what he came to do. It's about him stepping out of heaven and coming to this earth so that he would have the opportunity to love you the way that he wants to love you. Friends, if I could give you one message that would carry you for the rest of your life, I would say let him love you the way that he wants to. Because this is what I know that does. It keeps you connected. It keeps you remaining in him. Hey guys, wasn't very good today. But I'm not running away from you. I'm remaining in you. Because at the end of the day, that's our only hope. Our only hope for a different life, our, our only hope is to remain in him. That's the only way. I want you to stand with me today. You can throw the lead acrostic up on the screen. I imagine with Destiny having preached the last series, y'all haven't had a lead acrostic in several weeks, but is it true, babe? Is it true? Okay, all right, all right. Our lead acrostic is what did we learn? What did we learn today is that we have to live daily in the love of God. Listen, listen to me, friends. It's not enough for you to have a God loves me theology. You need a God loves me reality. Not just a God loves the whole world theology, that he died for me theology. No, 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 he, he, he loves me right now in this moment, regardless of what that moment is, he loves me. And I get to daily live in that love. The evaluation is this, am I allowing anything to keep, keep me from remaining? Is anything keeping me is there guilt? Is there shame? Is there distraction? Is there anything that is keeping me from simply remaining in the vine? Because when I remain in him, I remain in his love. And I let him love me the way that he really wants to. Our, our application is this, actively receive his love every day this week. I intentionally put the word actively because I don't want you just to go, well, yeah, I mean, I know he's, he loves me on Monday and, and God loves me on Tuesday and I, I, yeah, Pat, he loves me on Wednesday. No, 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 I'm talking about actively, actively saying, God, here I am today. Every piece of me, every, every bit of me, and I'm going to let you love me the way that you want to love me. I feel pretty bad right now off of what I did. I feel pretty bad off of what I said. I, I feel pretty bad off of what I, what I didn't do because I know I said my 40-day finish, I was going to read my Bible. God, we're 13 days in tomorrow morning, and I ain't done it yet. But God, here I am actively inviting God 
to do what he wants to do to love you right where you are. And then the D is always the same, just do it again. Friends, I, I promise if you do that for the rest of your life, you will discover a fruit-filled, abundant life that comes from just remaining, remaining in his love, letting him love you on his terms, the terms that he's giving, not how you're currently living. I want you to bow your head with me today. I know this is a challenge for so many of us because we're human. We're human. It's so hard for us to wrap our mind around a God that would love us that way. Unconditional, limitless. It's hard for us. So what we think is, well, I wouldn't love somebody if they broke as many promises as I've broken to God. I wouldn't love somebody if... They said they were going to do all these things. They didn't do them. Oh, man. And our humanity gets in the way of his divinity. Our instinct for justice gets in the way of his design for grace. I'm just going to ask you one question, Dave. You say, Philip... This is, this is hard. This is hard for me. Everything that you share, it's, it's, this is hard for me. Letting God love me the way that he wants to love me and doing that actively every single day. That's, it's hard for me. It's a challenge. But if you say, Phil, that, that's, what I, that's, what I, that's what I want. It's a challenge for me, but that's what I want. I want to live my life remaining in the vine, remaining in his love. I wanna, I wanna live my life not running from him, but remaining in him. I wanna live my life letting him love me the way that he wants to love me, the way that he desires to love me, not the way that I feel I deserve to be loved. I want to open up my heart and open up my life and let him love me on his terms. Say, Philip, that's me today. That, that's, that's how I want to live the rest of my life. Letting Jesus love me the way that he wants to love me. Come on, if that's you, I just want you to lift up your hand right there where you are because I'm going to pray for you this morning. You say, Phil, that's what I want today. That's what I want. Come on, with that, with that hand lifted, if you lifted your hand, just hold it up right now because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for you. But before I pray for you, come on, can we just all pray together? Will you repeat this prayer right after me? Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I need you. I need your love and your grace. I need your power and forgiveness. I believe you are who you say you are. And you can do what you say you can do. And I am ready to open up my heart 
and to open up my life and to let you love me the way you want to love me. To let you love me the way you desire to love me. Not the way I feel that I deserve to be loved. I want to remain in you. I want to remain in your love all the days of my life. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for your truth. Thank you so much. God, that in moments like this, you open up our eyes to see what we have never seen. In moments like this, God, you open us up to a whole new way of thinking and a whole new way of living that is truly, truly transformative. God, I pray that we would live all of our days letting you do what you desire to do, to love us fully, completely, and unconditionally. We want to stay connected to the vine. We want to remain in your love. Help us, God. When our Old Testament mentality conflicts with our New Testament reality. Help us to acknowledge and accept your love and grace actively every single day. Help us on this journey, Holy Spirit. It's in Jesus' name we pray and believe. Come on, put an amen on that. Thank you for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and share our podcast. For more content from NCC and how to get connected, visit ncc.team.